This is Jay Baer from Convince and Convert, and welcome to the Content Pros Podcast, where you'll hear the strategies and secrets of the best content marketers in the world. The show is brought to you by Oracle Marketing Cloud, helping businesses use the latest marketing technologies to tell their stories and connect with their customers. The show is also brought to you by Vidyard, the best platform for creating, managing, and optimizing your video content marketing. And the show is brought to you by Uberflip, a content experience platform that allows marketers to create, manage, and optimize tailored content experiences for every stage of the buyer journey. The hosts of the show are Randy Frisch and Tyler Lessard. Find all links, archives, and more at contentprospodcast.com. Now, here's Randy, Tyler, and this week's special guest. Welcome to another episode of Content Pros. I'm Randy Frisch from Uberflip. As always, I've got Tyler Lassard joining me from Vidyard. And today we are going to talk about a subject that I don't think we talk about that much these days because I think we're kind of in a way feel we're over it. But let's not be over it. We need to embrace email. Email is not a bad word. People still check their email. I think it's the first thing I personally do in the morning and probably the last thing I do at night. Uh, maybe Slack is these days. But still, you know, email is how I hear from our customers first and foremost. Um, and also how I take a look at new solutions that we may need. So we've got a great guest today from a company called Engageo who's going to join us. Tyler, why don't you tell us a little bit more about what we're going to learn today? Yeah, I mean, I couldn't agree more that email has become a bit of an unsung, uh, ongoing hero of the marketing world. And I think it's still very critical to uh, building our brand and to building demand and ultimately growing our presence uh, and uh, mindshare with our customers. And today we have somebody, I think, in a great position to help us talk about that. It is the Director of Growth at Engageo, Brandon Redlinger. Brandon, welcome to the show. And would you mind just giving us a quick explanation of what the heck a director of growth actually does. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Thank you so much for having me, guys. Um, yeah, I think director of growth, a lot of people think of that as, um, you know, black hat, you know, hacky techniques um, to, you know, do anything to get a user to sign up, right? Um, you know, not quite my vision for it. I, I kind of like Sean Ellis's definition, and he's you know, the guy who first coined the term. And he recently actually came out with a book, him and Morgan Brown, uh, Hacking Growth. But um, it really is more white hat techniques. And um, ha it's really anything that you can do to get your company to grow, right? Um, I know that's a very broad, very vague um, definition for it. Um, but it really is how do you provide more value to the customers so that it leads to growth, Right. And do you report into the marketing or sales side of the business or are you a magical uh, smarketer in the middle who uh, has carved your own group? <laughs> yeah, that is, uh, that, that's a great question. So, um, technically, you know, it is marketing, but, you know, here at Engageo, our sales and marketing teams are very closely aligned. So it's not like I sit on the other side of the office. I sit right next to our sales team kind of as a, you know, middle go between and Know, talk with them frequently. Awesome. Awesome. So there's a number of things. Um, before we dive specifically into email, why don't you tell us a bit about like as a somebody leading growth across marketing and sales, what are a few of the things that you know you're thinking about in terms of you know content or channels? Like what are the three things that you're most in you know in, engaged with today as mechanisms to help grow your marketing and sales business? 
Yeah, absolutely. So I think first and foremost, you know, sales and marketing have to be aligned on the same page, sending the same messages, communicating in the same ways. And I think a lot of people pay lip service to that. A lot of people preach, yeah, you need sales and marketing alignment. But I think in practice, it's a lot harder to actually do. Um, so, you know, we can dive into, you know, a little bit more of that if you want. Um, so, you know, one, sales and marketing alignment. Um, and then two, how do you orchestrate some of these interactions uh, so that sales and marketing are aligned. How do you get sales and marketing to work together at every stage of the buyer's journey? So it's not just marketing generates the lead, passes o- over to sales. It's actually in complex B2B sales, they're working together the entire way. So we see things like you know field marketing coming back pretty strong, getting involved in later stage deals, which is, I love it. It's absolutely a lot of fun. Um, and then really just aligning around the account, I guess would be the third thing is how do we look at everything together as a whole, as an account, rather than just, hey, this person clicked on this this many times, so I'm going to follow up with that one person. Yeah, I think there's uh, some really great, like what's old is new again. And we're all seeing that with respect to things like field marketing, um, with really thinking like traditional sales reps with an account mindset. Um, And then things, of course, like email and email marketing and um, direct communications, right? I think I, I read an article by you recently where I think you you talked um, very well about uh, over automation is you know causing some some challenges, and we need to get back to really more direct um, conversations with our customers. Um, and I think it's a it's a topic that's super important and something that we need to come back to when it comes to our email marketing strategy. I, I think we got to get past how we over automate email marketing for both our marketing and our sales reps and get back to thinking about what what do they really want to hear about? You know, how do we use this as a medium to educate customers? Right. Yeah. One hundred percent. And, you know, I, I think there's a time and a place for automation. Right. I'm definitely not against automation. But when you rely too heavily on automation, you are removing the human element of sales. And that's actually what gets the deal done, right? People are really good at building the relationship, uh, adding context and meaning to the message. So if you over-automate everything, you're actually removing a lot of that and you're hurting yourself and potentially your, your brand, your company's brand as well. And I think... Um, yeah, it, it is kind of, you know, one of, my, one of my rants, one of my pet peeves is, you know, c- kind of the experts, they're quite frankly kind of wrong these days, if, you know, to, to put it bluntly. You know, a, a study will come out that says, you know, 10 emails, you have to send 10 emails. It takes 10 emails to get a response from someone these days. So then everyone takes that mean uh, takes that to mean I need to send 10 emails to someone and then they build their campaign around 10 emails but they run out of things to say after the third email so then they're just sending emails that say just checking in just following up how, how are things going which are completely valueless and then you know it, that only results in that number going up people respond less frequently then that number goes up to 11 and then everyone's like, all right, now I need to send 11 emails. And the cycle continues. So, Brandon, I, I agree with what you're saying. I think we get stuck into these traps, these you know formulas, if you will, that we read in a blog post or we hear from our peers. And we're like, we got to do it the same way. 
So I think everyone on your team does such a great job. In many cases, I've reached out to people like John on your team or Charlie on your team to say, well done on this email. And some of them have come from you too, Brandon. So your entire team is doing a great job. And I think you're doing a good job at changing who it comes from. Now, I, so I'm going to ask you a couple of questions just in terms of your feeling as much as we just said, don't copy everyone else. But what is your feeling in terms of whether to send these marketing emails where they come clearly from the marketing organization and you can tell in the email it has a header, you know, that that's some sort of graphic versus kind of that more plain text message? It, you know, what's your formula for when to go with the marketing message versus when to go with the casual note? Yeah, that, that's a great question. So I think there are a few different um, uses for both you know, uh, an HTML-rich email and then a personal one-to-one -one email. Um, and we look at it, call it, um, we call it account entitlement. But basically, if you're doing ABM the way we do ABM, I think a lot of people are following it these days, you're taking a tiered approach to ABM. So you have your high-value target accounts, um, which is a you have a fewer a small number of them, say ten of them. Then you have your uh, tier two accounts, which are you know medium tier, and then your tier three accounts, um, which is of course you have a lot more of them. You have maybe some companies have a thousand of them, maybe it's five hundred of them, and then you have everyone else. Um, so with our tier one accounts. Tier one is our highest value accounts. We actually don't send any HTML emails to key personas at those accounts because we want to spend the time to be crafting a message that is very personal and very relevant. That's what wins, personal, relevant, and timely. Um, so a, you know, a CMO of a tier one account will only get one-to-one -one messages from you know, John or our CMO or, you know, anyone on our team. But if you move down, uh, we start to, you know, add in automation where it makes sense to, right? So, you know, again, we talked about there's a time and a place for automation. Automation is great for doing things like telling you when to send the email, not necessarily telling you what to say, but telling you when to say it and who to send that to. So you can queue that up, Get, get it already, and then you actually go in and write the email and send it off. And then some tier three, um, that's when we'll start to introduce more automation and more customization. So I think, you know, maybe we, there should be a distinction here between personalization and customization, right? A lot of people think, insert first name, hi, you know, uh, insert first name, I saw company was on my website, that is not personalization, that's customization, but personalization is, hey, Randy, great speaking with you last week at the conference. Looking forward to the podcast next week. Because I can say that to you and not anyone else. That wouldn't make sense. So I think you know, there's a big difference between personalization and customization that a lot of people kind of miss and I think um, are kind of hurting them. I love that point, Brandon. I, I think let's just all take that in and, and the idea that automation is not there to just you know roll on autoplay. It's there to prompt us you know, to take these actions. I think that's a great way to put it. And I, you know, I, I don't take things personally, but now I'm like sitting here trying to figure out if I'm tier one, two or three to you, you know, based <laughs> on the emails I'm getting. Don't worry, I can handle it. But, <laughs> but, 
But I want to come back though, because some of the emails that you do send to me that are clearly more um, more of a of a planned sequence, not coming from an individual, or maybe, you know maybe there's a name on that email who it's coming from, but it's it's a well marketed email that's clearly been structured almost like a blog post, if you will. And and I'm I'm wondering if you can just you know describe those a little bit better to our listeners, and also let us know how those are working because these are meaty emails that you're sending out. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so yeah, those emails uh, you're talking about, those that's our traditional nurture track. And we do also have different types of emails and different um, you know, communication where you're at in your journey as well, in your customer journey. So a lot of stuff that I put together, you know, one of my first things when I got to Engageo a year ago, John tasked me with building out our nurture program. And if anyone knows John Miller out there, you know, he's kind of known for his clear and complete guides and his, um, you know, meaty blog posts and really, you know, he is one of the content guys out there and he is all about educating the space and especially the account based marketing space. It's a newer space and, you know, we believe a rising tide lifts all boats. We don't really want to compete with anyone out there. You know, we're more friendly than adversary, you know, to, to anyone. And we want to do as much as we can to just raise the awareness in the space. So that means giving away a lot of our best content. And sometimes, you know, people read an ebook. Sometimes they like a blog post. Sometimes they actually just like it right in their inbox. So we've taken a lot of the content that we've written um, and just packaged it up a little bit differently for email and then stuck it in an email. So it's, it's also like kind of, you know, one, respecting the customer and where they're at in the journey. And then two, also respecting the medium, right? So I'm going to send something different to someone who we've been talking to for a few months. Uh, and also I'm, that blog post is going to look a lot different if it's in an email. So knowing the customer and actually knowing the medium helps a lot there as well. That's great. So I, I, the second part of my question was, how is this working? But what we'll do, we'll take a short break, hear from some of our sponsors. So hopefully I'm creating suspense for when people come back, are going to tell us how those emails with these long, meaty blog posts feel are actually doing to push people along your journey. We'll be right back here on Content Pros. Hey, Zoe. Hey Kelly, do you know what I love? Benedict Cumberbatch? Yeah, him, but also Netflix and how it always shows me what I'll love, aka all the murder mysteries. Ooh, or documentaries about puppies. I wish there was a way to do that with B2B content. Well, hold on to your pants. So you know Uberflip? It lets you create a better content journey for your readers. So I can let my readers binge my content while my sales team also sends it out to prospects? You sure can. Amazing. How do I get it? Just head over to uberflip.com and request a demo. Welcome back to Content Pros. I'm Randy Frisch and Brandon and I were just chatting about the question of these meaty emails that we send in our nurture. He explained to us the approach to them. Now the question is, is it working? So Brandon, tell us how it's doing for you. I mean, I assume it's working because I've been getting them. Yes. So surprisingly, it's actually one of our top performing uh uh, pieces of content right now. So um, we look at so just you know using the Engageo platform. You know we're able to look at our program influence, all the programs that we are running, and how it actually influences a deal. And it is always one of the top ones. So it gets someone interested, 
and interested enough to stick around to not unsubscribe to keep those emails coming and then you know after so also I'll note really quick those emails you'll see the call to action is not speak with a rep speak with a rep speak with a rep we don't say that until I think it's not it's like the eighth or tenth email so we're not selling people hard right off the bat you don't have to you probably actually shouldn't so I think for that reason, it's, it's just a hypothesis, but I think for that reason, people actually like them, they stick around, and then come that eighth or tenth email when we say, hey, do you want to learn more about Engageo? They go, you know what, I actually really do, this sounds really cool. So it's actually performing really well for us in early stages to get the conversation started in the first place. Yeah, you know, actually, I'm I'm looking at one of them now, and I don't know if this is intentional or not. But you know, a lot of time we think of blog posts, which we compare these to, as having a lot of links within, right? Links to different sources. This one actually only has one call to action, more or less, in the last paragraph. So I don't know if that's intentional too, but I think that's an important aspect to get people through that. Um, and then perhaps it looks like in this one, you're actually linking them to more content from there. Yes, I, I'm, I'm glad you actually caught that. I don't think many people actually uh, catch that. They're like, why don't you throw a link to this blog post? No, we actually want them to stay right here, consume the entire piece before they get distracted because we all know what happens. They click on the blog post and they're on the blog and then you know Facebook pops up or something and then they go down this rabbit hole and they never finish consuming the content. So that was, that was a great pickup, Randy. So I wanted to ask you, Brandon, I know one of the things that we saw in our own email marketing strategy was a huge boost, not surprisingly, you know, not only in, in click-through, but in actual engagement and follow-up and, and sort of downstream influence when we started to create more customized nurture streams to what you talked about um, that were, you know, a combination of the uh, personas uh, to some degree, right? There's only so far you can go, um, but some persona filtering as well as funnel stage. And, you know, that's when we, you know, we went from effectively one or two email nurture streams to about a dozen different email nurture streams, depending on who you were and, and where you fit in the funnel. Um, and, and again, we saw a massive increase you know, we were at the point where we were like, email marketing is dead. And then when we actually put the time and effort in to do this, which personalized the content, we saw a huge increase. And we went, nope, email marketing is not dead. It's just changed. Um, it has to be personal and relevant to your point. Um, so I know we saw that. And it sounds like you've seen this, the same sort of impact. Um, if that's the case, can you just give the listeners some, you know, tips and ideas about how do you go down that path? Like, how do you move from one or two sort of standard email nurtures to things that are more um, personalized? And, and, you know, what in practice, how do you build those out? And what are some of those filters that you think are a good starting point to use to, to define those nurture streams? Yeah, absolutely. So our nurture streams are built on um, two things mainly is, you know, one of them is, I kind of talked about it earlier, but um, your account tiers. So again, tier one account, just a, a, a thumb rule that you know, we live by is tier one accounts, you have you know, in the tens of those. Tier two, uh, in the hundreds, and tier three, in the thousands. So you won't have, um, you know, you, you won't have a thousand tier ones. You can only have so many of them because you, all of these emails and all of the communication, again, is personalized and it's relevant. But that really doesn't scale. So you can't have more than, you know, here at Agageo, we have 12 T1 
tier one accounts. You can't have more than that because you just don't have the time, the energy, the money, the resources to do that. And you actually so, tag them with their sort of tier in your CRM or your marketing automation? Yep, exactly. Okay. Exactly. Um, uh, so again, by account tier, tier one, tier two, tier three. Um, and then we also actually have a non-target account. So we have targets and non-targets. And then key personas. So at Engageo, we know our five key personas that are involved in uh, you know, the buying process. So we actually break content out specifically for them. And then the use cases, uh, you know, the content itself is the use case for that persona. Right. Right. And then how do you, how do you define the, um, the sort of funnel stage? So as you, you mentioned that earlier, and it's something we've tried to do as well, and I think it seems to be working. Um, but again, in practice, how do, you, how do you do that? What are the indicators that you use to put somebody into a top of funnel, mid funnel, bottom funnel, however it is you define it? What, what are the indicators you use to help uh, define those sorts of rules for nurture? Yeah, that, that's a great question. So um, I think I think it, it starts with, at, at the very beginning, um, you know, just really you have to align with sales on this. I know a lot of teams, you know, marketing says it's this stage and sales says it's another stage. So like before you even, um, you know, start to implement a lot of the stuff, it really is going back to the drawing board and making sure sales and marketing are on the same page. Um, and you know, again, a lot of teams pay lip service to this, but at the end of the day, you still see marketing just wanting to drive higher volume and sales wanting uh, higher quality. But at the end of the day, if they're on the same page, they won't be fighting about what stage they're on. They'll be fighting about how can we work together to actually close the deal, right? And, um, you know, going back to, uh, you know, what we were talking about earlier. I, so another point actually is, you know, a lot of people have been moving away from, you know, email because targeted ads is the new sexy thing or direct mail is the new sexy thing. I was actually having a conversation with, uh, you know, a CMO the other day and they're like, what's, what's the most effective medium? What's the coolest account-based marketing strategy or account-based marketing campaign that you've got, you guys have ever done? It's like, well, it's not creativity that actually wins. It's personal and relevant. If I send you, you know, tickets to a, a you know, giant baseball game, or if I send you an email that's really relevant and valuable, which one's going to move the deal forward? It's, it, it's not the tickets, right? It's the email that's relevant and valuable to you. So, you know, the, the bottom line there is don't just try to try these different channels because it's cool and because it's fun do what actually works. Yeah, it's, uh, it, I love that idea. And it's something we found is, you know, email marketing has its play. And when it's done in a complementary way to, you know, a number of different touch points, but using those mediums for what they're meant to be, right. And I think, you know, back to your earlier point of, of e email can be a great way to educate audiences, because, you know, it's, it's, it's in their, it's in their space, it's, it's the area that they're working in uh, throughout the day. Um, and if you hit the message, right, um, it's, you know, something that can keep them engaged without distraction um, you know once you you've got it in there so I think it's I think it's super interesting last question I've got for you is as you look to measure and understand the effectiveness of these campaigns and, and your email marketing um, what are you looking at as a growth leader 
to, you know, sort of figure out, you know, what's really working and what's not. Is it, you know, click through and open rates on the email campaigns? Is it uh, engagement levels? Is it, you know, how are people interacting post the email? What should people be thinking about as they're trying to measure the success and, and know what's really working for email marketing? Yeah, so at, um, yeah, at Engageo, we, we, we do have a little bit of an advantage of, you know, being able to use our own product. And, uh, you know, the, the two things that uh, I look at is engagement. Yeah, how much are people actually engaging with these? And not just the person. It's actually, again, we're looking at the entire account. So if an intern clicks on every email, reads every blog post, attends every webinar, you know, great, but that's not an indication that, you know, they're ready to buy. I want to actually know who at that account. So I'm looking at the, uh, the level as in, you know, title level of the engagement and how much that they're engaging. Um, and then ultimately at the end of the day, it's, it's actually impact on revenue. And, you know, both of those um, we do display in Engageo. So, you know, I don't know how people are doing it if they're not using Engageo, but you know the the impact and then uh, the engagement of that content. And uh, again, it's not not just email. I know we've been talking a lot about email, and you know I'm a big fan of email still. But also, you know, all the other channels like um, like video or like uh, direct mail or ads or any of these other things. A big fan of, and it all should be part of the mix. Um, but as long as you're sending that personal relevant content using the right channel, I think that's actually the winning strategy. So I, I love everything we're talking about. I, I, I've recently said that sometimes when you have a bunch of people and they're all agreeing on the same thing, that it's actually not that interesting. Because everyone's <laughs> yeah. just yeah, patting each other's back. So I'm going to be a bit of a shit disturber for a second here. Now, <laughs> you know, a, very recently, Tyler and I were both in Toronto here. We had our my company's conference, the, uh, the content experience. And Tyler and I were for dinner with the CMO of Microsoft. And this guy was pretty intense in terms of his belief that email is dead, right? As he put it, email is done. Don't email me. You email me, you're only going to aggravate me. And his point was, I want you to engage in me in the way that I engage with the world, which he said is social. So what's your feeling in terms of this belief? Maybe not today. And you know, I think he, this, this gentleman, Greg Kahn, is, is very much a visionary, very much looking to the future. You know, where do you see the, the most natural future of how we're going to have to communicate people if you were to pick a channel? Oh, that's a great question. Um... Oh, geez. I, I think I, I do not think email is going away anytime soon. I do think it has a point, though, in that, yeah, just communicate with uh, via the channel that I'm on. I think most people are still on email. Um, I, man, I, so I was going, one, one of my reps um, was actually asking me about using social and how much he should be posting content, writing articles, all of that stuff. And I'm all for that as long as, you know, it's, it's still, um, you know, doing his job. Uh, so in the sense that like, he's not writing just because he has this theory that, you know, 
I want to get my name out there or whatever it is, right? As long as he's establishing himself as a trusted advisor and a trusted leader, then he has some great content to put in front of people. And then maybe that ends up being where this person already is. So I think, you know, there is no one magic formula. There's no one magic um, uh, channel. There's no one magic message or anything. But I, you know, I do think that he, he has a good point in, you know, know your audience, I guess, right? Yeah, absolutely. So it's it's a good kind of last question to segue into. We always like get like to get to know our guests a little bit better, and uh, you know, one of the things I was able to find to you is you express your opinion on platforms like Medium. Um, but what about when you're not talking about work? Because a lot of what you seem to be posting is is very much still tied to best practices that you're taking. But what about when you're just you know letting loose? What is your channel for sharing with the world? Is it you know is, is your Twitter gonna end up feeling very corporate as well um but is there a channel out there like instagram snapchat would have you where where do you let loose where do i let loose that's a that's a great question um i geez i don't think there's necessarily a digital channel where i let loose um i i do tend to at least these days share a lot of my thoughts on linkedin as not a published article but as a you know update post so, um, you know, I've, I've had a lot of great conversations with people outside of, you know, B2B marketing and ABM just in my LinkedIn feed. Um, that's, that's one place that I've really actually come to like a lot. I've been, you know, republishing or just publishing, uh, publishing original content on uh, LinkedIn as a published article less frequently and just more having conversations with people. Um, I, I, I do really think that was a smart move by LinkedIn and I, I will continue to do that. Yeah, I agree. I, I love the conversations that flow when people are tagged on posts in LinkedIn. I think it's so natural. So I'll, I'll land, on, land on this question and, and you opened up the can of worms here taking me to LinkedIn. So I'm on your, I'm on your profile on LinkedIn and your header is fun and cute. It's the, the background of the opening of Silicon Valley on HBO. So if you were to compare yourself to a character on Silicon Valley, who is the most kindred spirit for you? Oh, geez. I, um, I almost want to say, I almost want to say Richard sometimes because I, I, I think I used to be like in school, kind of that awkward guy that, you know, didn't know a girl even liked him until it was too late. And, you know, I always was you know, on, on the smarter side of things, I, I wouldn't call myself a genius in, it, in any way. But, you know, I, I do feel a bond with Richard. I don't know if that's, you know, too, too much of a um, common answer. But, you know, I, I love it. I love it. How about you, Tyler? Who's your who's your uh, match on, on Silicon Valley? Well, I'd like to say Guilfoyle. You know, I just I'd <laughs> like him to be my kindred spirit, but um, I'm just you know I'm, I'm going to go with uh, I'm going to go with Dinesh. I think just you know somebody who's uh, I, I I don't know. There's just something about him and his uh, his form of awkwardness that I find uh, just appealing, and 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 I think you know I think my wife finds in me as well. <laughs> there you go. Notice how none of us said Jared for ourselves. I mean, I, I what is none it of us want to be that. For me, I don't know. I, it's it's a good question. I I think I'm kind of a cross. Um, 
I think I'm organized like that guy, Jared, but there's, I, I really hope I'm not that anal. I mean, it's, uh, you know, so it's, it's definitely got to be a balance of, of, of different personalities, which I think is what makes us love that show so much. Uh, Brandon, this has been so much fun. I'll, I'll let you give one last plug. We talked so much about your email. If someone actually wants to get your guys' emails, which, you know, who has ever said that? But after this, after this podcast, maybe they do, where could they go to register? Yeah, just go to Engageo.com and definitely check out our blog, Engageo.com slash blog, where, uh, you know, I most frequently write there, but feel free to connect with me on LinkedIn as well. Fantastic. Brandon, thank you so much for joining us on Content Pros. On behalf of Tyler at Vidyard, I'm Randy from Uberflip. This has been the Content Pros Podcast. You can find all of our past episodes at contentprospodcast.com. This is part of the Convince and Convert Network where there's so much other great content from emails like we talked today to other podcasts and other thought leadership opportunities for you to raise your game. Thank you so much for joining us and tuning in. This is Jay Bear, and thanks for listening to Content Pros. Please leave a review and subscribe on iTunes or on your favorite podcast listening app. Go to contentprospodcast.com for a complete show archive and greatest hits. Content Pros is sponsored by Convince and Convert and by Uberflip. It's produced by my team and I at Convince and Convert Media. Interested in being a guest or a sponsor on the show? Visit us at convinceandconvert.com.